Welcome back to Lit Up With Low. I'm your host, Lauren Paler. Thank you so much for all of your support on the podcast lately. We hit 500 downloads this week and have booked a few very exciting guests. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to talk a little bit about what you're going to be hearing from me on today's episode. I really open up about my personal development journey, my aha moments, um, beginning with how it really kicked off for me, which was a conversation on a third date at the meatball shop in New York City with my now fiance. But what I really want you to pay attention to are the aha moments I've been having lately. The gifts that I have that people always have complimented me on, always have noted about me, and I've somehow forgotten. It's so easy with Instagram and TikTok and all these apps showing us who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing, to forget what our actual gifts are. So as you listen to this episode, I really want you to take note of all of the different exercises that we talk about and all of the different prompts and thought processes we've had this year. So then you can do your own reflecting and digging deep and you'll have so many light bulb moments, I promise, that aren't available to you on Instagram or on Google. These are all things that you have to figure out for yourself. In today's episode, we also talk about IIN, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. This is the online health coaching school that the guest and I are certified from. It was a life-changing program for both of us and really helped us hone in on what we want out of our careers and out of our lives. If you're interested in learning more, please DM me at LitUpWithLow. You can use my name, Lauren Paler, for $2,000 off tuition. They have enrollments every couple months. It is such an awesome program, especially starting a new year. And even if you don't want to be a coach, it's just great for personal growth. And now for today's guest, Mike Trugman. As I mentioned, Mike and I met through IIN. We were in a study pod in New York City, so we met up several times for dinner. He is such an awesome guy, and he's such an eloquent speaker, which is funny because you'll learn that he actually had a massive fear of public speaking. He knows more about personal development than I do, which is saying a lot. You'll hear us geek out about personal development, so definitely take notes and make sure you check the show notes where I'm tracking all these resources. Mike is an awesome life coach, but he also wasn't always this way, so you'll learn about his journey to getting where he is now and how everything he did with a life coach and everything he does as a life coach, you can start doing today. We also talk about how to own your growth while everyone around you may be resisting it and how to find support in your community. We even get into the nitty gritty of our morning routines. So without further ado, here's Mike. I grew up in an area, I grew up in an upper middle class family and in an area that values traditional desk jobs. Like my, my view of the world was you get good grades in high school so that you can go to a good college. And then at the good college, you get the secure job. It has the 401k. It, um, it allows you to meet you know, wealthy people. And then uh, once I had that job, it took me a long time to realize it, but I just felt like I was in the wrong place. And at the same time, I felt like I don't have any confidence to do something else. And everyone else around me seems happy. So I'm just going to put my head down keep doing what I'm doing. And something's wrong with me, not the rest of the world. And uh, I was living with like under that lens for a long time. And uh, it finally came to a head where I was like, I, I don't know what to do. I maybe recruiting, maybe sales, I don't know, but I need to hire 
someone to help me figure this out because I'm not going to figure it out on my own. So I hired a life coach and we explored questions that I should have been exploring for my whole life, but was not. So what do I really value in my life? What would I do if I didn't have the fears that hold me back? What do I find meaning in? What's an ideal day look like for me? These are all things that for me now are like, they're, they're always at the top of mind, but I was never thinking about for most of the first 25 years of my life. And once I finally started working with the coach, I then arrived at, I wanted to do IIN, which me and you did together. Mm-hmm. And that was another transformative experience for myself. And so we, we finished together in May and now... I've transitioned from calling myself a health coach to more of a life coach because I think that while health is a pivotal, it plays a pivotal role in how we show up in the world, I want to help people build the confidence, the skill set, the value system, the inner roadmap to do whatever they find fulfilling in their life. And so that's, those are my two jobs, accountant and life coach. Wow. I love that story. And there's so much to unpack there because um, how old are you again? I'm 30 now. Okay. So I'm 28. And I think people in our age bracket are all going through this and you can call it like the quarter life crisis. But what's funny is I used to think, oh, I'm so privileged that I even get to have these thoughts. But I, I don't think it's privilege. I just think our generation is waking up to the idea that you can actually do something you're passionate about for your career and be successful and make money and love your job. And there's not just like doctor, lawyer, accountant anymore. (laughs) Yes. And it is, it is a privilege. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, but I think anyone who's listening to this has that same privilege. And so we all, we all have a million things that we take for granted that come to us so easily the food that we get, the cell phone that has literally all the information in the world on it. Uh, we all probably have safe shelter, all the things that a lot of people in the world don't have. And so work is no different to me. It, it is a privilege, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't explore if we want to do something else. Yep. No, I totally agree. What were some of the signs and feelings that you were having with, but pre-life coach that made you realize, oh, I think there's more for me out there? Looking back, it feels really obvious, but I, I'm an intuitive person. And so a lot of times for me, that looks like the, my body constricting if I'm in the wrong place or if I'm not comfortable with another setting or, or group of people or whatever it is. And I would find myself waking up each morning with like pit in my stomach, dreading going to work. Sunday night was always the typical Sunday scaries. And if I was in meetings at work where we were going over like very technical tax issues, I'd find myself completely zoning out and my body would kind of shut down on me and I'd get tired by 3 p.m. It's like the same story that a lot of people have. And what I would do at that time, I I would write that off as I'm not a passionate person. Like I don't have a passion. I don't have uh, interests. I just, this is the way it's supposed to be. No one, no one likes their job. Everyone just Mm -hmm. does what they do to pay the bills so that they'll be happy when they retire so that they can enjoy vacations and enjoy the weekend. And uh, looking back, it's so obvious that that was the wrong way to view everything. 
I think a lot of people tell themselves some version of be realistic. I value safety. Most people don't find enjoyment out of their job. I should be grateful for what I have. And they actually use gratitude as like a crutch in a way, even though I would speak very highly of gratitude. Uh, a lot of people use it as almost an excuse to not go after something that deep down they know they want to go after. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, well, especially when you're living in a place like New York City. I mean, the living expenses are so high that you just think, okay, well, I need to do this rat race job because everyone else is doing it. And that's how I can afford to live here and, you know, eat at the great restaurants and all of the, the perks of living in New York City. Yes, exactly. And it so, becomes this, yeah, sorry, but it, no, it becomes this like race for like, oh, I think I see this person has more than me. And then I need to just do wherever I am now is not enough. I need to have more than that. So just wanted to throw that in there quickly too. Yeah, you're right. And I think New York like breeds that too. You look around and every single person, you know, is, you know, burning them in that candle and it becomes almost like bragging rights. Like, oh, I, I worked till midnight, but then I went to the bar at 1am and then I showed up at work at 6am and that's what you do in New York. <laughs> uh -huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So when you hired a life coach, what was that experience like? How did you come to the realization you wanted to go to IIN? So at the, by the time I hired the life coach, I actually had already started to take better care of my body. I Maybe a year before I started seeing the life coach, I was 30 pounds heavier than I am now. So weight, you know, I lost a decent amount of weight. It wasn't, uh, I wasn't like super obese or anything, but I was overweight. I felt anxiety all the time. I had brain fog, chronic fatigue, all the like hallmark signs of inflammation. And, and I wasn't working out and I was working the crazy hours like we were just talking about. I, over the course of that year, in between when I was at that weight and hired the life coach, I had really started to get my act together. I started figuring out ways to eat better. I figured out how to stick to a routine at the gym and strength train. And I started with just like the physical goals in mind. I wanted to look good, be attractive, all that stuff. And then obviously the benefits that me and you know about that come along with that is actually, wow, I'm, I'm feeling so much better. I, I'm actually not an anxious person. I was just feeling anxious because of all the crap I was putting in my body. And so I think that was like the first step in getting me to even think about, well, I actually really am not happy at my job because I'm seeing that I can make progress in all these areas of my life that I didn't think I could otherwise. So why stop here? Why not tackle the challenge of work? And so when I hired the life coach, what I expected to happen was I would tell him my skill set. I would tell him a couple things I was interested in. And then he would just almost like an algorithm spit out something that I should do with my life. And I was like, that's what a life coach should do. <laughs> and of course, it was nothing like that. It was a lot of coaching is really holding a mirror to my belief system and challenging the way that I saw the world. So as we discussed, the way that I saw the world was that Everyone just works to make as much money as possible and finding fulfillment or uh, pursuing something that you find meaningful is only something that a special type of person that's not me would be able to do. And I, I wasn't really surrounded by that. So uh, part of the main part of the coaching process was 
me learning that my belief system wasn't the way that the world really was. It was just the way that I saw the world. And uh, it was also just like kind of building what I believe in from scratch. So I made a life book, it's called. And I prototyped like, what does my ideal health look like? What is my family? What does my connection with work look like? Spirituality, all these things. And I, I still have it. It's like 10 pages of how I wish to show up in the world in all the different domains in my life. And then um, starting to understand the different voices in my head, which was, you know, that we can have a whole podcast on, on that alone, probably. But for me, uh, inner critic was a big one. So that was the basically, you're not enough in in so many different voices that you're you are going into a saturated, if you wanted to pursue coaching, you'd be going into a saturated market. You don't have anything interesting to say. You're not an interesting person. All those things were beliefs that I had about myself. And so that was really the, the best thing that I got out of coaching was just understanding that that was so normal that a lot of other people have those voices and that I also didn't have to just listen to them. I could kind of cozy up to them, understand them, thank them for trying to protect me, but telling them that, you know, my, my higher self has got it from here and I'm going to go after the things that I think I can help people with, even if it's scary and if it is really a saturated market, which it is. Wow. That's so powerful. I wish uh, more people went to life coaches. <laughs> that description about the, the voice in your head, I've heard of it as like the roommate who is not even you. It's just the person who's observing you and you have to tell it to shut up, but also to thank it. I like what you said, uh, you know, it is really just looking out for you. It's a survival mechanism. I mean, it's telling you all the things you shouldn't be doing at, just to protect yourself. It probably came from something in your childhood or some, something in your life, some sort of, even if it's not a capital T traumatic experience, something that kept you safe. And for me, it, it kept playing it small and staying quiet and being reserved and being steady was the mechanism that kept me safe as a child. And that just became something that was outdated for me in my current state. So that was, you know, that's, I think, like I said, really the value that you can get in working with a coach is like, you start to understand these patterns the same way that you would with a psychologist too. Like, I think before you know what to do to move forward, you have to start to understand what happened in your past. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And then at what point did you enroll in health coaching certification? So I, in January of 2019 is when I hired the life coach. That was a 12 week program. We finished up in April of 2019 and not very long after that, like in April of 2019, I enrolled at IAN and started a blog. So very transformational three months for me there. It went from like, what do I do with my life to like, I'm pretty clear on the path I want to go on. That's amazing. And so what do you think was like the final push that like got you to just start? Because I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. Maybe they have this great life coach and they've realized all, all these things about themselves. And then they're like, okay, I have no idea where to start. It was, there were probably a lot of reasons, but the number one, which is what I'm trying to help people build in themselves is that I had a community of people that I felt would support me no matter what. 
And I felt safe that even if this venture didn't amount to anything, that I was, I was proud of myself. And I knew that the people that were important to me were proud of me because again, part of the coaching, which I didn't touch on earlier was that I told, I reached out to my inner circle, maybe of like my closest 10 friends, family, peers at the time and told them what I was up to, which was a terrifying thing. I was, I felt very scared to tell people I was working with a coach and that I might be pursuing uh, a blog or whatever it would end up being. And everyone was so supportive of it. And having that security, I think gave me the jumping pad of, okay, like I really, I know that going for this is the right thing and wherever it goes, who knows what'll happen, but at least I have to try. That's huge. I think, yeah, the community is such a, an important factor because especially if it's very early on, I think so many people are afraid for you and like what could happen if you fail that they give you the advice not to do it. And then a lot of times people just, they don't even start. And it would validate all of your worst nightmares, right? Exactly. All the voices that I was saying before, you're not enough. You aren't interesting. No one cares what you're saying. All those things would feel like they're coming true. And so it becomes a very, it's a terrifying proposition. But yeah, especially for men, which is the area that um, I'm gravitating towards, it's, it's like taboo to open up about that stuff, right? We were taught to like white knuckle it and just keep putting our heads down and not express what's happening in our inner world. And, uh, and there's a lot of like in group settings, there's a lot of just banter and talking about sex and talking about drinking and mm-hmm. Uh, so I always felt out of place in that regard too. And so I know that there are other men out there who probably need, uh, that support in a way who feel like they are trying to fit in, but don't really belong. And so like, that's, that's like my mission as a coach, I think. That's amazing. So, and you came to that during health coach school or was that just something after you realized? I came to it after I, in the coach that, I'm working with now. He's my coach. He is kind of doing the same thing. And I actually heard him on a podcast at the end of 2019. And uh, going back to what I was talking about with intuition, at that point, I had started to plug in a little bit more. And in listening to the podcast, I was like, I have to reach out to this guy. So I I looked him up on Instagram. He went to IIN also. What's his name? His name is Mike DeSanti. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. And he went, he went to IAN when it was back in person, actually, I think it was in, in 2009. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like 10 years older than me. So I feel, I felt like, okay, here is someone who started exactly where I started, literally went to the same school as me and has this aura about him where he's trying to build a community of men who are supporting each other and who are getting past the traditional stereotypes of keep it packed in, don't open up about your fears, having fear is weak, all, all the traditional, you know, the tropes that you hear about, uh, about men. And he had, yeah, he also just had this, like, he didn't have a promotional way about him where he felt like it felt like he was trying to sell me something. It all added up. And so in working with him over this past year, it became more clear to me that 
nutrition was something that I love and it's something I still follow personally. But the real mission that I have in my coaching practice is to help men feel a safer in just expressing whatever their true self is and b have the confidence, the skill set, the tools like I developed to get away from the traditional desk job that they're doing that they don't like that is lacking passion and meaning and move towards something that they know deep down they care way more about. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, yeah, I, I think I always talk about how hard it is for women, but I can't imagine a lot of times, like for example, my fiance and I are doing dry January right now. We've talked about like, maybe we'll, I mean, I've been sober since like December 19th. I kind of stopped. And then I'm like, we're like, well, maybe we'll go into February, maybe into March. But like for a guy, it's like, okay, well then how am I going to watch football? Or like, how do I hang out with my friends? Which is like, it's a real question. Like, how do you get together with the guys and not have a beer? Like, it's kind of, it's funny, but also at the same time, it's pretty serious. Like, how do you approach that? So I think I'm sure he could benefit. Other guys could benefit from having a life coach in that regard. Yeah, that resonates deeply with me too, because one of the reasons I, I couldn't make the initial change of like taking care of my health and my nutrition was that if I was going to a bar on Sunday to watch football and I got a salad or something, I mean, every single guy that I'm with there is going to be, oh, look at yeah. you, what is, what is that? What are you, you're getting a salad at a bar, bro? What is, what is the problem? And that's so, hilarious. yeah, I, it's, I, that's not as much of a problem, I, I, would, I would think, with COVID now. But right. nonetheless, there's still, there's always peer pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to being able to stand up to that and just say like, no, this is, I actually think that for me, this is the best course of action. And I'm comfortable with that, even if you're going to make fun of me, it takes a while to build that muscle. Yeah, I agree. And there's this culture of manliness. I'm reading um, Untamed by Glennon Doyle right now. And she talks about just the difference in like shampoo bottles for like men versus women, like a female uh-huh. shampoo bottle is like pink. And it's like, pure bliss, soft, gentle, and all the descriptors. And then the, the men's shampoo is like 15 times the original size, drop kick dirt with this shampoo. And she's just like, what? <laughs> like, you don't even know who you are yet when you're picking up this shampoo bottle. You're probably like 12 years old and you're being told to like drop kick somebody. Like <laughs> Exactly. And that, it, it runs so deep. It's, it's so deep in our culture. It's so deeply ingrained in the way that we that we think we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. Um, do you have any tips for, I don't know how many male listeners I have, but it, for guys that are listening and maybe they want to like be the guy who's ordering the salad at the bar or like they're trying to give up alcohol or they're trying to do something that's like against the normal, like male behavior. I think it's really important to get clear on why it's important to you to have that salad. Like what, if you're trying to connect to the value, then would being a healthy person, would that override wanting to fit in with people who are making fun of you? And if you're, if you're really clear on that, that's, I guess that's not really a super actionable tip, but for me, it became like, I care so much about how my body feels that if my friends make fun of me, it doesn't even bother me anymore because I understand that it's coming from a place of like, whatever, maybe it's their jealousy or 
there, there's kind of like a resistance that wants to pull you away from change and people don't like seeing someone who's in their life change. Mm-hmm. So I guess my tip would maybe actually be around just the understanding that bringing awareness to the fact that when you make a change, a lot of people in your life will probably resist it. And maybe it, it's actually maybe on you to educate them and game plan ahead of time. You could just tell your friends, hey, like, I know you might make fun of me for this, but I'm really feeling good about this behavior change. I'm feeling like I want to keep losing the weight. I want to keep maintaining my figure, my energy levels, all that stuff. And so I'm just going to let you know I'm ordering a salad. And I would appreciate it if you don't make fun of me. And if you do, it's not going to bother me because I'm clear on how I want to be. No, that's really good. I think um, people, even they love you and they want the best for you. They don't like to see you doing things that are good for you that they're not also doing. So like same thing when I started cleaning up like my diet and there's this thing with women too, where it's like, you start eating better. And suddenly you're like, why are you on a diet? You don't need to lose weight. I'm like, it has nothing to do with my weight. I just want to feel good. Or like, I don't, this food makes me feel bad. So I'm not going to eat it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually feeling better than ever. Right. Right. That, that becomes, uh, I've had that come up many times where it's like, you're so skinny already. Why, why would you need Mm -hmm. to eat that way? So yeah, I, you know, food is mood. It, I don't think most people have that connection with that. They, they just look at it, which I did for a long time as like a mechanism to either gain weight or maintain weight or lose weight, but it had nothing to do with the way you were showing up in the world. So yeah, it's, it's important to understand that. Yep. And I really like what you said about change too, because I've definitely experienced that I've gone through my own shifts in the last few years and people really don't like to see you change. And they really try to keep you down when you're just trying to grow. And it's, it really comes down to yourself being able to overcome that and just stay strong and know that you're changing for all the right reasons. Right. I'd say another thing that really helped with me was having people that I looked up to having role models. So like other people on social media Mm-hmm. That became, um, it could be dangerous to have too much of an echo chamber, but I have now surrounded myself with other empowering messages. And it's evident to me that a lot of people are already talking about the fact that when you change, people might resist it, but you should keep going for it because you know that you're bettering yourself and you'll just continue to attract the right people in your life. And if people resist it for too long, you know that you shouldn't be friends with them in the first place. And I mean, lo and behold, like all my friends, anyone who is resisting the change in any way, uh, they eventually come around and they're so happy for me that I've made these changes. It's just natural for there to be the resistance at first. Exactly. Especially if it's something maybe you shared together. Like if you have a a guy who you always watch football with, suddenly you don't want to watch football anymore. They're like, well, they're worried. They're like, well, what do we have in common anymore? You know, but I'm sure it runs much deeper than that. And, and I did it too, actually. So it's, it's really funny that I was the person that was mm-hmm. on the other end of that, where like one of, my, one of my good buddies in college started doing a paleo diet. And obviously in college, that was like the height of our drinking. And we would on, I remember one night we were playing beer pong and he wouldn't drink the beer. He had 
tequila because it's made from agave. And so that was technically paleo. <laughs> and I, the, the entire night, I was relentlessly giving it to him. Like, how are you not drinking beer? And so I, I totally, it's like, we don't even realize that it's a pattern. But when someone's doing something that's different from the way that we mm-hmm. see it should be, we naturally just want to bring that person back and say, no, that's, that's the wrong way. Just do it like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. It's like our tribal nature, I think. Yes, it, uh-huh. it is. What is your life coaching looking like right now? My life coaching is very much modeled off of the experiences that I've been through. So I, I went through Mike DeSanti's Find Your Tribe. It's called Groove Coaching Program. I pull principles of that and a lot of principles out of the other life coaching that I did, that I spoke about, that I did in January of 2019. And so mine's a 12-week program that really helps people with what it helped me with. It get clear on your value system. It helps to start to build your community. So like reaching out to the people that are most important in your life and seeing what are your top strengths. A lot of people are blind to their top strengths. What are areas that might be holding you back? Um, What is your vision for yourself? I help people put together that life book like I put together for myself. And then uh, getting clear on like, what's your ideal day look like? What are those voices in your head? What's the prevailing voices in your head? Could be image consultant. It could be a skeptic. It could be uh, some version of like wounded child. You, You had a scarred past. Getting comfortable with that. And then once you do a lot of the digging into your past, understanding what you found fulfilling when you were younger, it's then what would be a rewarding way to use those gifts to help other people in your future and endeavors. And even if it doesn't become like right away, something that you're doing full time, it's like what daily actionable things can I do that are starting to help me cultivate that sense of purpose and so I, you, I mean, I can give you a specific example too. I'm, I'm working with a client. I actually just had a session with him today. He also has a background in accounting and he's also, he's really passionate about fitness and he's really passionate about helping younger, the younger generation, like helping them see the world in a bigger way and uh, being of service to them. So those are like two things that he's prototyping right now. He's really excited about maybe becoming a personal trainer and doing that on the side while he's uh, still in accounting. And then also maybe reaching out to different programs and seeing if he can speak to children about maybe developing business acumen or finding their right career path, or even if it's just like building a skill set in accounting, helping them get comfortable with what they're good at. And so it's, that one of the best things about coaching is I literally told him this today is while I'm giving him a lot of guidance through my own experience, it's also inspirational for me to watch him go through it and see him live into what will be a really meaningful life for himself. So that's, that's what my coaching practice looks like. That's amazing. You're hitting on so many good things. Um, one thing I've been doing for myself lately, I feel like in the last couple months, just ending 2020, like coming into the new year, I've been doing a lot of just like journaling on my own and like 
asking myself a lot of questions. And the thing I keep going back to is like my childhood. Like what were the things that I was just so naturally gifted at? What was, what excited me? What did people always say about me? And I've had like so many aha moments where I was like, how could I forget? Like, how could I could forget all these things that brought my joy, brought me joy? How could I forget all these things that like people used to say about me all the time? Like this comes so naturally to do. You're so good at this. And I just, I think when you get to college, get to grad school, get your job, you're just like in this tunnel where you just forget all of that. And I'm having, I'm coming back to all of it. And that's one reason I started the podcast because I used to like, I don't think a lot of people know this, but I used to be like an actress in theater on stage. I wanted to go to Broadway. And then when I was told that won't, you know, give you any money and you're never going to make it, I just like forgot it all and went to college. And now I'm like, I want to bring some of that like entertainment back into my life. That's awesome. What were, what were some of the other insights you got from journaling? Um, Well, I had an insight recently where I, always thought that I was like this like productive, like lawyerly professional, like, you know, grindstone person. Like I really thought that's who I was. And I've been taking some quizzes and like just thinking a lot about my life. And I've realized I'm actually not, I'm actually like the very creative ideas, like very Vata it's called in Ayurveda and Pitta was like what I thought I was. Vata is like, you're working on so many projects at once and you have all these ideas and maybe you don't finish them all. And like, that's just who I am. It's not a bad thing. And I used to like be really hard on myself about it. Like, why are you working on like 10 different things at once? You don't need to start a podcast. You already have an Instagram page. And like learning all this about myself has helped me just realize this is who I am and I can excel at all these things. I can be multi-passionate and like, that's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's amazing what comes out when you put the pen to the pad and start journaling and start giving giving life to the the thoughts that are ruminating in your head. And uh, once you get started, you'll you're just I don't know. It's very magical wherever the pen can take you. At that point, you start to realize things that it's the aha moments you're describing, where it feels so obvious after the fact, but we yeah. we we forget because of all, all the things that we've been discussing. Right? It's like Society, in a lot of ways, unintentionally or even intentionally at times, really gets you to focus on what's wrong with you and why you aren't enough and why you don't have enough. And no one spends any amount of time thinking about what they're really amazing at and what their natural gifts are and then how you can continue to lean into that, which I believe everyone has something Mm -hmm. that is unique to them. No one in the entire world has gone through any of these set of experiences that you have gone through. And it's, you know, it's on us to figure out how we can use that in a way that is of service to other people and is in alignment with what we want to do. Exactly. And I actually, something just came to me, Mike, you're just bringing it out of me. (laughs) When I was in consulting at PwC, I remember going into a review with my manager and I had to do like a self-reflection and I got to the section on like client interaction. And I was like, um, this is the only thing that I'm five out of five on, but it probably, I probably shouldn't have so much client interaction. Like I probably should be focused more on like, you know, the accounting, like the, you know, managing the bill for the project. And he was like, Lauren, no, like, that's your gift. Like, you should focus on that. And 
that came to me just now when we were talking, because and it's one thing I've been thinking about, like whenever I was in consulting, the clients always loved me. I was very like loved speaking with them, but the actual client work I didn't like doing. And <laughs> like they usually just put me on the project as like someone who would just really make the client feel at ease. And like, I used to think that was a bad thing. Like, why am I not the one in the back room, like, you know, grinding out these numbers, but it is my gift. And like, I need to just, I think I need to own that a lot more in my career. Uh-huh. Well, I, I think it's safe to say that you're definitely owning that now, at, at least from my perspective. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Working on it. But I think it's a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of inner work. And I think we're always, the one thing I used to do is like be Googling all these different careers and um, yep. paths for me, but I know it. I know it all. Like it's in here. I just need to like, like ask myself the questions, not Google. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and I, I'm so guilty of that. Sometimes I'm, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I, I feel that it's so it's so deeply ingrained. It's we think that a lot of times the answers are all out there. Mm -hmm. We need to, we need to find we need to get more money, we need to get more status, more likes. All, my fulfillment, my happiness is dependent upon some external factor out in the world, or some skill that I don't already have and not from what I'm already really gifted at and need to just cultivate and hone in on. Mm -hmm. Have you read um, Mastery by Robert Greene? I haven't. I haven't yet, but it's now I've made it like my required reading um, because I think a lot of what he talks about is that you are born with like distinct gifts. And if you look back at your childhood, you were already using them and then they somehow got lost. But if we can find those again, like these are your innate gifts and if you really put the time into them, you will become a master and, and become successful. But like just so much of that, like a lot of the creative stuff too, is just like lost. Yes. So this is, this is goes back to what I was saying with one of my coaching exercises is it's really, it could be really valuable if you're not sure about that for yourself to just reach out to five to 10 people that you really trust and just ask them some version of how do I show up for you? Like, what do you count on me for? What, what would you say I'm really skilled at that I have an advantage at above other people? You would probably be shocked at the answers that you would get from that, from those questions. I love that. That's such a great exercise. Hey, a lot of it's unconscious. Like we don't even realize it's something we're good at. And then somebody else is thinking about us in this way all the time. Right. Or, you know, I'll, I'll say in my case, one of my superpowers is that I I'm non-judgmental and a really good listener, but also I'm able to add insight and advice to a situation. And on the flip side of that, I really I lamented that quality of myself because I thought men shouldn't be quiet, sensitive, good listeners, empathetic. I should be tougher. I should be more type A. I should be louder. I need to be smoother with women. I need to be the person who can present off the cuff. And I, I really didn't pay enough attention to what I now I'm celebrating as the best qualities of myself, that I'm a good listener, I'm empathetic, I'm kind, I'm compassionate, I love helping people. And so it's, yeah, it's really a lot of it is just getting back down to basics and understanding your patterns. And if you have blind spots, let other people show you what those blind spots are. Yeah. 
No, that's really good. And the men and the women thing. I mean, that's a whole other podcast. I get into this with my fiance all the time, like the stuff that guys are taught versus the stuff that women are taught. And I'm like, they're, we're all, it's two different games. Like, how are we supposed to play? Like if we've both been taught two different sets of rules. Right. And there's also a distinction between masculine energy and Mm -hmm. feminine energy, which every single person has a combination of both of those things. So like a masculine energy would be, it could be present. You could have a man who's more feminine energy dominant. And conversely, you can have a woman who's more masculine energy dominant. And I think it's really just about understanding where you fit on that scale. And so like, I would, I would categorize masculine energy as being like unwavering and steadfast and being able to put your head down and be uh, present in the moment and get tasks done, which is very necessary in a lot of ways. And a feminine energy is being able to understand what emotion the situation calls for and maybe more of like the creative side and free flowing spirit. And there's nothing, it's completely normal to have an integration of both. And Mm -hmm. contextually, different situations call for different things. So sometimes you need to be putting your head down, just get it done. It doesn't call for you showing up with, uh, you know, sensitive energy or anything. And other times, you don't want to show up as the problem solver. So like, if my wife was telling me about a problem that I found trivial, and I just told her, oh, that's stupid. It's, it's not a big deal. Get over it. There's, some, there's so much worse stuff happening. That would be uh, inappropriate use of masculine energy. That would probably call for a feminine energy of just being there, present. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. If you need to give me a hug, I know that sucks. Just being empathetic and present. So that's, a, that's, a really, that's another important skill to hone in on is just knowing contextually which way to show up and knowing that even if you're a man, you can have more of like a feminine energy and there's nothing wrong with that. And if you're a woman that has more masculine energy, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The yin and the yang. Totally. I'm sure that's so helpful for your clients who are single too. Cause I think I was a single woman in New York for several years. I think there are these sensitive sides of guys that they're so afraid to show and they just instead come off as like jerks. Yes. For me, it manifested in sarcasm. Mm -hmm. I would, instead of showing my sensitive side, I would try and make a joke about it in my, in a sarcastic way. Mm -hmm. So it manifested differently for everyone, but there's, there's gotta be any number of different defenses where guys are not showing their true nature, sensitive or whatever it might be. Yeah, totally. How has your wife fit into this whole journey you've been on? It's been, it's been an amazing journey together because when she met me, I had not yet taken any of these steps towards personal discovery. And so the, the man that she fell in love with was a completely different person than the man that she married. Wow. And so, I, I'm so I'm so incredibly grateful that despite all of the changes, despite everything that's been happening along the way, the career uncertainty the any number of of challenges that have not just fallen upon me but have been have fallen upon her she while we've had you know some sort of uh, disagreements along the way and things that we needed to clear up with each other she's been just my number one fan along the way 
And there's a reason that a lot of my self-discovery happened when I was with her. It's because mm -hmm. I felt like I, you know, I had the permission to fully be myself and chase all this stuff. And I, I always remind her of that, or at least I, I do my best to remind her of that, that part of the reason that I am changing is because and be I'm becoming more of myself and actualizing or however, you know, whatever way you want to describe it is that I'm with you. You're such an amazing person who allows me to be the best version of myself. So that's, it, it's been such an incredible blessing to have a partner like that, who's mm -hmm. along for the ride and, and supporting me. And in the many times of doubt and feeling like this is too much work doing two jobs and I still, I, it always comes up for me that I feel like I'm not doing enough and that no one cares about what I'm posting or any of that stuff. It's still very prevalent that my, I, I always have a home base of my wife and, and my best friend. So it's, it's just an incredible blessing. That's so sweet. How long have you guys been together? We have been together for now about four and a half years. And has she been going on her own personal development journey? I would say that she has grown a lot, but isn't, it's not in a way that she's, you know, like hiring a coach or, mm -hmm. or making a intentional, like I'm investing lots of money into this. Mm -hmm. But that being said, in a, a less intentional way, she has made massive strides in, in her life as well. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I think it's it just happens also when you're partner is going through the changes and you're talking about it all the time. At least, I mean, in my case, it's funny when I think my fiance is actually the reason any of this started for me because on our like third date, he asked me about flow state and I had no idea what that was. And then when he explained it to me, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing anything that puts me in flow state. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh God, that could be a terrifying conversation. Well, I, I'll never forget it. We were sitting at the meatball shop and I was like, oh, wow, I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> and then, I mean, so much has happened since then. <laughs> right. That is, it's bringing up for me, like one of my deepest fears is, is just living life consistently at like, I call it living life consistently at a six or seven, where you're like, you're never really high and you're never really low. So you don't get, you just feel like you're content most of the time. Mm -hmm. And, and you're able to just run through the motions and being in that place is what I would equate to never finding flow state because you're not doing anything that brings you like real joy or is challenging yourself in any meaningful way. Mm -hmm. And we are so pain avoidant and suffering avoidant in a lot of ways that it, it robs us of experiencing like the highs and the beauty that life can offer. So that that's, Another thing that I try and invite people into is like, yeah, going for it, you're probably going to feel those days where you're at a one or two. But if you can really remember those days that are nine and 10, it's, it's worth it. It's so worth it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, well, that's, and at the time too, I think that's why it impacted me so much is because I was a consultant. I was traveling constantly and you just start going through the motions at some point where you're like, yeah, you're waking up at 4am on Monday to fly to Texas and then fly back Thursday and you just do it over and over again. And I had like a breakdown in a soul cycle class who, who hasn't had a breakdown in a soul cycle class <laughs> <laughs> where I like left the class and I went up to the instructor and I was like, I'm quitting my job. And he was like, Oh, 
oh, sorry that I make you do that. I'm like, no, I just I had the realization, but I got to go now. <laughs> like, Yes. Yeah, it's funny because I've only known you since all this inner work and discovery has happened. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's hard to picture that you were ever a different way. And so yeah. like, yeah, I, I think that that's another way to invite people into it is that once you start making the change, it's like, it becomes, you just become so much more of who you already are, like mm -hmm. the best version of you. I totally agree. Well, what's funny is I also had never listened to a podcast till about like five months into dating my fiance. And now I have like, I, there was a period, a long period of my life where I'd never even heard of podcasts. And then like maybe a couple months before I started health coaching school, I like had listened to my first podcast and became like obsessed. So it's like, you're right. It's like, you're just finding who you are already. Like there was no like, you know, period of time where I was getting into podcasts, it was like, I listened to one and I was like, oh yeah, like this is my thing. And I just like listen to them constantly now for like two years. Yeah. Well, me too. It's funny. The same exact timeline. What, if you had to pick one that was the most instrumental to your growth, what, what would it be? It's a good question. I think by the one that really like introduced me to a lot of these big thinkers is um, skinny confidential. I don't know if you've listened to that uh -huh. one. Yeah. Um, I think just, they bring on so many like impactful people like Ryan holiday. I'd never heard of until he came on their podcast and they make it in like this approachable format where, I mean, I was training for a marathon when I was listening to a lot of this and like they brought on Ed Milet and like, yeah. I would, I, I think I would have been intimidated to just like start with a Ed Milet con uh, podcast, but hearing him on the show. Um, yeah, you know, that podcast was huge for me. My fiance introduced me to impact theory, which is awesome. I think we've talked about that before. Um, what are your, some of yours? I was, I'm meaning to ask you about this. Well, impact theory is the first one. If, if someone said to me, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. I just know that I want that I'm inspired by personal development or I want to better myself. I would start them with impact theory for sure. And I was obsessed with impact theory for like, when I got introduced to podcast, that was it. I would listen to that pretty much only. I went back to like his first episode ever was with Michael Strahan. And I just went, I started mm -hmm. from episode one wow. and went through, I've, I've probably listened to, I don't know, a hundred or so of, of Tom Bilyeu's podcast. And for whatever reason, I feel like that was a, a stepping stone into Tim Ferriss, who mm -hmm. I listen to re religiously now He's because Tim Ferriss he might have been intimidating for me at a time where he's like, I'm, I have the world class top performers and tease out their habits, routines, all that stuff. That wouldn't, it felt so far out to me. Like, why would I ever care what a top performer is going to do? Like, I'm not good enough to do that, that I wouldn't have listened. But once I, I'll call it, you know, in air quotes, graduated from impact theory, Tim Ferriss has been my go-to show and I think he's gone through a, a level of discovery with himself where he started as like the productivity guy, much like you're describing. Mm -hmm. And now he's, it seems like he's really committed to making sense of what's happening in his inner world, like finding good mindfulness practices, or how can I just find joy in my life instead of tying all my worth to achieving certain outcomes? How can I on a day-to-day -day basis, make sure that um, just yeah, living, living a, an ideal life, right? Like experiencing all the beauty that life has to offer while also putting out work that is helping other people. And so he's driven by that question. I'm certainly driven by that question. And I think that 
those are two podcasts I, I'd recommend to anyone who is trying to better themselves. Totally. Uh, we just listened to Tim Ferriss on how I built this mm-hmm. and he's just, he's so cool. Like he's, and he's so humble. Yes. He's one of the humblest guys, like to a, to a fault. He's mm-hmm. very self-deprecating and you could tell how hard mm-hmm. he is on himself. And I, I feel for him because I, I show up that way a lot of times too. Very mm-hmm. hard on myself and uh, very compassionate towards others, which is the way that he shows up. And yeah, that, that's a, it's a tough battle to fight learning how to talk to yourself. No, I, I agree. Um, well, that's also what's cool about him though, is like, you see a guy like that and you're like, okay, that's what I want to do. And he still has all these like issues. Like I think a lot of times we paint this like right. perfect picture. Um, like for example, Ed Milet, who I love, he was so poor that his yep. wife had to take showers like in their outdoor shower at their, like the facility they were living in. And you see a guy like that now and you're like, Oh, I could never, I could never right. be him. Like, look at him. He, he has a private jet. Whereas no, he was actually in a really bad situation once and he worked his way out of it. Yes. And so many, and that's that was what was so powerful about impact theory is mm-hmm. you hear, you hear that story over and over again and you hear them say, I was shy. I couldn't speak in front of three people. And now I'm giving keynotes in front of thousands of people. And I have a podcast with millions of downloads every year. And you hear that story enough times and you're, and you start to really believe like, huh, I can do this. Like maybe they weren't just born that way. And mm-hmm. there's nothing, that's where it all is. Like mindset is everything, right? It's if you really believe that it can be done, then you're going to, once you have that belief system, you're going to start to operate in a way that supports that belief system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Do you have any books that you recommend? I have many. <laughs> I have many books I would recommend. I, for someone who is just looking to find purpose or just find any way to create a little more meaning in their life, it sounds like a heavy book, but it's actually, I think, a really good on-ramp for just really easy ways to um to immediately take action to be of service to other people. It's called Who Will Cry When You Die. He asked the book. Right here. Right in the camera. <laughs> by Robin Sharma. Okay. It's, every chapter is like one or two pages. I'll, I'll open up right now, just like give an example. Okay. Every Day Be Kind to a Stranger is one chapter. Uh, mm-hmm. Keep a journal. Honor your past. Start your day well talk to yourself. It's like really, and oh, it's all yeah. like very basic, basic stuff. Doesn't feel overwhelming. And it's incredibly light read, despite the title, like I said. So I would start uh, people off with that. One of my favorite books that I read this year, this is more targeted, but it, it resonated with me as someone who's more introverted in a world that I think really values being connected all the time and extroverts and Mm -hmm. multitasking and all that stuff, which doesn't fit my personality well. And I tried to mold my personality to be more like that. I read Quiet this year by Susan Cain. Have you you heard of that book? No, but I'll get it for sure. And that helped me really come to terms with the fact that I am an introvert. I don't like to be overstimulated, whether that's being in a group of large people or 
reading while the TV's on or having email notifications and Slack notifications pop up while I'm in the middle of something, whatever it might be, I thought, again, that something was wrong with me for mm-hmm. experiencing that and not that I just have this unique uh, personality trait that actually many of the top innovators in the world also have, like Bill Gates, Steve Wozniak, and even a lot of people who present as outgoing and confident are, you know, maybe that she gives an example in the book of someone who is a lecturer, I think it was at Harvard, who has this like boisterous, loud personality. And he would show up that way for his students because he cared deeply about helping people. And then immediately after the lecture was over, he'd go to the bathroom to recharge and just Mm. collect himself and be by himself, which is something that resonated with me. Someone who at times would have to leave parties and go to my room by myself or go to the bathroom for no reason other than just to recharge and manage my energy. So quiet, really good book for someone who feels like maybe they're on the shy or introverted side and who has a tough time managing their energy. And I saw Marina commented this on your Instagram today. Maybe you should talk to someone. Mm, Yeah. Transformative book. Wow, really? Very transformative because without giving too much away in the book, she, she talks about different clients that she had. She's a psychologist and she talks about her own story, but she has, I think it was four different clients. One of them was a really loud, obnoxious, really just, you know, wealthy, um, thinks he's better than everyone personality Mm -hmm. type. Someone that in real life would really rub me the wrong way. I would, I would pay no mind to them. I would think that person is a despicable human being. And in peeling the layers away, you get to see without revealing the, the, uh, the end story, he was, he was battling a lot of demons in his life. Mm-hmm. He had, there's a reason that he was showing up that way. And then there was another woman who like alienated her family, alienated her kids. Her kids didn't speak to her. And you see why that happened. And really, every single story in that book helped you realize that every single person in the world is the way that they are as some sort of defense mechanism for themselves, probably. And it helped me understand that everyone is going through some sort of journey and helped me be really compassionate and understanding towards whatever that journey is. And if they're being really obnoxious, mean, whatever it is, if they're showing up that way, they're not trying to mess your day up. They just, right. that was, that was something that they, it's a pattern that they developed because probably some pain point that they had in their life and don't take it so personally. So that, that was one of the books that changed the way I see things. Yeah. That was probably one of my, I haven't read this book, but that was one of my biggest insights over the last couple of years is that it actually has nothing to do with me. Like not, not yes. at all. <laughs> yes. The amount of time that I've wasted thinking about what someone must have thought about me and why they acted this way, et cetera, et cetera. It was just so just wasted. Like that was wasted time. Oh, the, the amount of hours I've wasted on that is, is insane about worrying about what I did that made someone else act that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, wow, I'm glad I have to read those. Um, quiet sounds great because I think that would probably help relationships too, where like I am an extroverted person. My fiance is very introverted and we, yes. 
it took us a long period of time to realize that we just were different and that's okay. Like I have to be doing TV, computer, phone. Like I just, otherwise I can't focus where he needs quiet and he needs to be alone. Mm -hmm. He needs to recharge. Like I don't need that. So like a lot of times I'll just keep talking and he's, will have to say like, no, I need to like go recharge. And and I've had to just realize, okay, that's all right. Like you can have that time. It's, it's, yes, I'm, I'm glad you said that. It, it is really important in relationships. And that I think an extrovert could really benefit from reading that book because mm-hmm. it'll help the extrovert understand why having alone time is not such a personal thing to you. It's, it's just them allowing themselves to recharge in the way that an extrovert recharges by being around other people and having a lot of, you know, stimuli and mm-hmm. things happening like that's energetic to you. And that's actually draining for, I would say probably half the population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Oh, those are such good resources. Um, so what tips do you have for someone who wants to start a side hustle? Cause you, you do have two jobs like how, and how, I think most people are like, how I can't even do one job. How do I do two? The first is you have to get clear on what that side hustle is. And, and so instead of just like spraying and praying and, and, thinking that, oh, I have this great idea, but it's already taken already. Like get clear on something that would you would want to do, even if you knew you were going to fail, it would be fun and rewarding to you. Mm-hmm. So once you once you get clarity on that, on a more tactical level, I would say, first, don't resist the current circumstances. I need that advice. So that I know that that's good advice in that if you're busy from 9am till 6pm every day, Don't try and resist that. Just apply yourself in that and then realize, okay, my only pocket of time is from, say, I have dinner at six or something from either before work or after work. I'm going to create that hour or two. And then I would say, ask yourself, what would be something that if I wasn't getting paid for this would be rewarding to me? And is it a need that other people have? And start just testing that out. And if you start, if you get any traction with that, then it'll naturally start to take on a life of its own. If you have something that's interesting to you and you're putting it out there and it's not helping anyone else solve a problem, it's not going to become a good side hustle. So you need to, you need to kind of find that intersection of where does it actually fit into my schedule? What is something that I find interesting to me? And is it going to help other people? solve some sort of problem in their life. And then to drill that down even more, this is a really good tip that I found from, I think it was from impact theory. If you're unsure of what any of that stuff is, then a good place to start is just actually pay attention to problems that you're having in your day and write down those problems, like write down what a problem is and then what would be an interesting way to solve that. That's like a good place to start. If you have no idea what would be a venture that you'd want to pursue? That reminds me of Tim Ferriss with his um, athletic supplements, his first business. He was writing down where all his money was going and he realized he was spending like $500 a month on subs. And so he's like, there it is. <laughs> That's my business. Right, right, right. Or I'm trying to think of an example of a, a problem that I have, but like, you know, the, the creator of Uber really just saw the problem of, I don't want to, when it's cold outside or if it's rainy, I don't want to have to wait for a cab to come. What if I could just have someone 
you know, from the thing, from the access of my phone, from my fingertips who would just show up to my house apartment, whatever mm-hmm. it is, all, all the founder of Uber did was see a problem that they wanted to solve and probably talk to other people if that was an interesting problem to solve. And then I'm sure that wasn't their full-time job at the time. It started as a side venture. And then once it picks up, then it, it can become your full-time thing. Yeah, totally. Well, I think that's common for a lot of people we went to health coaching school with is they suffered from their own health problem, solved it, and now are teaching people to do the same. That Exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. if I were to boil coaching down into a nutshell, it's <laughs> we were taking problems that we had in our own life that were major pain points. And then we want to help other people who are probably going through the same pain points. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, how do you um, balance your work schedule with the side hustle? That's been one of my top 2021 things mm-hmm. to focus on in that my morning is really dedicated to first myself. I know you wanted to dive into morning routine, so we can, we can get there. But oh, yeah. uh, once I take care of myself, I make sure that I'm posting content and doing whatever the bare minimum is for my business so that I can focus on my accounting work during the day, which is typically a, a nine to five. In busy in busier times like you know February March April it, I'll have to recalibrate from there. Mm-hmm. But then, honestly, I try and connect with maybe anywhere from two to five, depending on what my schedule looks like, two to five people that week, and just have interesting conversations and put myself out there. And then otherwise, it's really important to me that most of my nights are free to just spend with my wife, have a, a dinner that we cook together or that she cooks and we enjoy together. And that we watch a show together. Like the most important thing in my life will always be spending quality time with my wife and my family. And so to ignore that in pursuit of this venture, while it's really important to me, would be detrimental to my overall happiness. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how I kind of organize my day-to-day right now is do like the productive stuff before 9 a.m., have a few, at least a few meaningful conversations and then make sure that I'm prioritizing my personal relationships and in particular, the one with my wife. That's awesome. And that's so important. And I think that comes from getting clear on like the things that matter to you most, because if you, even if you love your side hustle, like you seem to love life coaching, if you're giving up time with your wife, time with your family, time that you like prioritize really over the side hustle, you're, you're never going to be successful because the whole time you're just be resenting your side hustle. Your wife will be resenting the side hustle and then you'll just burn out. (laughs) Yes. And yeah, there's a lot of unpacking that comes into that, but you know, one of the reasons we get into coaching is that we want, we want to help people and we also want the flexibility to have our own schedule. Mm -hmm. And yet a lot of coaches, myself included, fall into the pattern of burning out. And so I felt a lot of imposter syndrome around that in like, I'm promoting this lifestyle of you, you can get out of, you don't need to be burning the candle on both ends and grinding it out. And yet here I am just grinding it out. And so I'm, I'm making a really conscious effort to not let that happen. And when you prototype your ideal life, it probably doesn't involve you, you know, hacking away at the keyboard at 9 PM instead of just spending time with the people you care most about. Exactly. Uh, that's where the life book comes in handy. Correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how do you uh, like plan out your content and like 
everything you're doing with the business. Cause I know you've been doing like some Instagram videos. I know you also have a course. So just like walk us through that. Sure. My content is, I actually have a content uh, matrix. So oh. what that is, is I have uh, the core desire that I want to help people reach, which is fulfillment and purpose. Then I have a whole list, inner world, outer world benefits. And so what are they moving towards in their inner world and outer world? Freedom, confidence, time, autonomy, things like that. And what are the pain points that they're running away from? So fear, paralysis through analysis, lack of confidence, lack of meaning, feeling like you're stuck on the hamster wheel, whatever it is. And so I have that as like my overall guide. And I have just like a, a massive list. I'm sure you have the same thing uh, in your phone and in Google Docs. I have like, anytime I hear something cool on a podcast or any, anytime my mind conjures up something, it goes right into my list of uh, content creation. And I, will, I won't like write out everything. I just have the idea. And then each morning I let the creative juices kind of flow with the content whether it's the video or just posting something that's written out. That's amazing. Uh, very cool. Um, I, yeah, I've loved your videos. I think they're so like on point. Is that how you find clients? Oh, oh thank you for the compliment, first of all. And of uh, yeah, the most, most of all, it's been through, it's been reconnecting in, on social media with people that I either used to work with, used to go to school with, or like some sort of, it's funny, it's, it's, People that you know too well are not going to be the ones who are most likely to like refer you or want to use your services. Mm -hmm. But the people who like kind of know you enough to trust you and don't know you too well, and there's not as much of like that barrier in, in between like opening yourself up in that in the way that coaching does, like that has been the initial ring of people that have reached out to me the most. So those are those are really the people that I've been coaching. That's awesome. What's your morning routine? So my morning routine, which I am just unwavering about is, except on weekends, I, I wake up a little later, not gonna lie. <laughs> I wake up at 515. I brush my teeth, but I, I won't consider that really part of the routine. I, I meditate for 20 minutes A meditation to me, my kind of gateway into meditation was headspace and I read this book. Uh, oh God, Emily Fletcher, "Stress Less, Accomplish More." Oh wow! Okay. So she she used some some version of transcendental meditation, and that's basically meditating twice a day, twenty minutes a day, with like a, a mantra that you or some saying that you repeat in your head. Where if you get distracted, you come back to that. I've kind of ditched that. My meditation practice is just for twenty minutes: sit down, upright, back against the couch, follow my breath for as much as I can. And if I get distracted, I label the thought or the worry or whatever it is, and then come back to focusing on my breath. After I meditate, I journal a little bit. So I, I set an intention for the day. And my intention is usually something simple. It's not like a specific task. It's like, how do I want to show up, be compassionate, do a random act of kindness, um, show up joyfully, make other people smile, something like that. And then three to six things that I'm grateful for, write those down. I find that's a really good way to get into my day. I will read a page or two from Who Will Cry When You Die. That centers me. Mm -hmm. 
I've read through it like three times now. It, it, I always learn something new. Um, then I do some sort of physical activity. For now, I have back pain, so I do physical therapy. That's about 20 minutes. I go for a walk, get outside. I try and get into nature. I live, I'm very blessed to live near Central Park. So I typically will walk there for about 45 minutes and try to do it undistracted. So I'm like a junkie for podcasts and I always want to be listening. But I also try and take at least five to 10 minutes to be present and just look up at the trees and appreciate that I'm, I'm here for another day. And once I get back, I, I read for, you know, 20 to 30 more minutes, whatever book I'm reading. That's about three hours of a, a morning right there. And then I launch into mm-hmm. my day of like posting content and then diving into my accounting day. That's amazing. I don't think there's any like, like too long morning routine. I think it's so important. I've, I've changed. My days have changed because of it. What's your morning routine? It's evolved. Um, but right now I've been working on actually getting up at 5am, which has been a struggle, (laughs) just adjusting my body. But I just realized I'm working an East coast job on the West coast. So my day starts at like seven. So if I'm going to do a morning routine, I have to get up. So I've been waking up, I've been making, um, hot lemon water with apple cider vinegar. I've been trying to just sit and like be still and meditate. I, the longest meditation I've gone is like 10 minutes, but I'm just, my mind is buzzing so much, but I, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'd also, I also start to fall asleep at 5am. So it's been challenging. Um, uh-huh. I've been making celery juice. And then I just, I do, I have so many little books that I read. I read a page of the daily stoic, a page of journey to the heart. I journal, there's a journal called the five minute journal that I do a page from Uh every day for the last year, which is, um, like three gratitude, um, an affirmation, um, three things that will make today great. Um, and then there's also a section for like looking back at your day at night. And that's been awesome. Um, I also like to pull a tarot card because they all have different meanings and like, they just kind of get me flowing with ideas. And then I journal for a while. That's kind of like my meditation. I, uh-huh. I've journaled up to like 10 pages, like in the morning, I just let, let it flow for as long as it, I need to. Um, and then sometimes we'll do a workout. Sometimes we'll then like start to move on with my day. Um, but I think the best thing I've done in 2021 is shut my phone off at like seven 30 or eight. And then I don't turn it back on till I'm like starting work for the day. Yeah. It's, uh, it's powerful to do that. I, I do some version of that too. Like I don't, I try not to look at my phone for at least the first hour and a half in the morning. And then for about the same amount of time at night, like eight o'clock phones down. It's huge. I, I was realizing how much I was being triggered, like having so much anxiety for no reason, because I like saw someone was doing something awesome that I'm not doing. And it's just, it just, what I've learned from reading the daily stoic every day and reading all of Ryan Holiday's books is you can't control anybody else. You can only control your reaction. And so if, if you have to get rid of triggers, like going on Instagram at 5am, then you have to get rid of that because you're not going to be able to change that person. Yes. Well said. Thank you. Um, and then just the one a couple last things I want to touch on, you're doing a public speaking course. Like, Tell me more about that. Public speaking was without a doubt, my number one fear. It's, it's a very common fear. And I think a lot of people fear it more than death. It's, it's like well documented that 
it's one of the one of the top fears. But even knowing that, I felt like my fear it has to be greater than everyone else's. And so, yeah, part of the reason I ended up in accounting was that it fit nicely into the I can hide behind the screen. I don't need to put myself out there. I probably won't need to public speak if I don't want to. And it was a massive pain point for me when I started to grow in my career a little bit and was asked to start leading meetings more and do trainings. At one point I was asked to lead a, a big training. I was terrified. And so I went, I dove into, you know, first I hired someone one-on-one, -on -one, then I went to a Toastmasters. Toastmasters was too hard. And then I did this beautiful public speaking class on the Upper West Side. It's called the Public Speaking Center of New York. And it was really tailored for people with massive amounts of anxiety around even just answering questions about yourself in front of a, a small group of people. Like, what's your name? Where are you from? What's one fun fact about yourself? Like that exercise in itself was extremely daunting for me. And so uh, I did that for a couple of years and really honed in on my skill set. And that was another area that I developed in that I gained so much confidence in that I want to now share that gift with other people in the power of becoming a good communicator will it spills into every other venture of your life. It allows you to just show up more powerfully and confidently really everywhere. But in particular at work, it's a, it's a very necessary skill for a lot of people. And it took me a long time to find that class. And I know that there are other people in my network already that otherwise wouldn't want to do that, or it might be a little bit cost prohibitive. And so I wanted to offer it at a little bit of a lower rate and create that safe space for people who have lots of anxiety around public speaking and don't feel they have a good outlet to kind of workshop what they're working on or their fears they might have. And it goes back to community where you're surrounded by other people who have the same fear. It, mm -hmm. it invites you to feel comfortable in the fact that you're not alone and that there's other people who are experiencing that too, myself included. So I literally just launched that class yesterday. Um, I'm really proud of the, the class that I've, formed really and I'm gonna it meets every Tuesday night 6 30 p.m eastern time and I ideally I'd have 10 to 15 people showing up to each class and it's it's very structured and the first class is free so I I would love for anyone who's who wants to improve their public speaking skills to at least give it a look that's awesome. That's such a great outlet. Um, you know, my fiance's had the same issue where he was nervous about public speaking. And I think part of it is just thinking you're bad at it. So he was going through a lot of job interviews last fall. And the more he did the job interviews, it was almost like practice for public speaking. And he was realizing, wait, I actually, I am I'm good at this. Like I want to, uh -huh. I want to do public speaking now, but it's, yeah, no, it's a definitely, it's a, a very challenging thing, but when you can surpass that, I don't know if you know this, but Lewis Howes had a massive fear of public speaking. And yeah. now he's like one of the top, one of my favorite podcasts, one of the top podcasters. Almost everyone that I admire, like Tim Ferriss has a massive fear of public speaking. Really? Um, Ed Milet spoke about having a fear of public speaking. 
I'm trying to think of who else. It, it's all escaping me right now, but mm-hmm. it, there's, there's so many. Jay Shetty, like all these people had fears of public speaking. Brendan Bouchard. Wow. Yeah. And they're, you're like, you listen to them now and you're like, no, you're lying. Like you're mm-hmm. actually lying. There's no wow. chance. Uh, or if, uh, maybe this, this will probably resonate more with your listeners. Rachel Hollis too. Rachel Hollis really? had a massive fear. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize that. Gosh, there's so many inspiring people. We could like geek out about this all day. <laughs> yeah. Because we could. Um, okay. My final question. And also I'm going to post all the public speaking stuff because I think everyone should check it out. Sounds really awesome. And that's amazing that you're doing that for people. Um, my final question that I'm asking all my podcast guests is what is your gift? Huh? Well, it's funny because I think I already answered that question. And then when you, when you pose it, then I'm like, huh, I feel, I feel like there's a pressure to respond differently, mm-hmm. but I really do think that my gift, my gift is twofold. One is that I really do uh, show up for people in a way where I have complete compassion for whoever I'm with. I'm not judging you. And I, I really think that I want the best for everyone, for humanity, and that I'm also a problem solver as well. So like all that compassion and everything is great, but I'm also not just going to tell you what you want to hear and be a people pleaser and, and pander to those needs. I feel like I have a good compass of being able to say what the other person needs to hear in a gentle enough way that it it won't, you know, sidetrack them, which is really in a lot of ways what the public speaking class is all about. Um, And then the other thing that I was going to say is that there's a, there's a sincerity and uh, a humility in that I'm never going to have fully arrived. I'm always going to try and improve and I'm always looking at ways that I can be, a better person and the ways that that can create a ripple effect on anyone else that might encounter me. So like if I had to run my life on one question, it's how can I try to ensure that anyone who met me was better off for having met me. And that's what I want to live into. Chills. That's amazing. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome talking to you. Lauren, I, I knew that I was going to have a, a good time on the podcast, but this more than surpassed my expectations. So I, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for having me on and for all the gifts that you have and are sharing with the world. It's truly inspiring, even however long we might go without communicating. It's, it's really inspiring to see what you're up to, how many people that you're helping And uh, I'm really glad that we did IIN together and that we're on this journey together. Me too. That means so much. Thank you so much for listening to Lit Up With Lo. I had such a blast recording this episode. If you're interested in learning more about IIN, please reach out to me on Instagram at LitUpWithLo and use my name when you enroll for $2,000 off. I can't thank you enough for all of your support on this podcast. We hit 500 downloads this week, which was a super exciting milestone. And I have a few awesome guests coming up that I was really excited to book. So thank you so much again from the bottom of my heart. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and I will see you next Friday.